No matter in life what you try to do, you're dead too. Hello, and welcome to You're Dead Too, the podcast that looks at all of the horrible things that happens when we're going to die and we don't want to talk about it. I'm your host, John Toyson, and this week I have on my good friend Erica Boyer. Erica talks about her background growing up in a both Catholic and Buddhist household and how, not surprisingly, Catholicism won out in that uh battle between the two, uh, how she has both engaged with and not engaged with her faith over her life and how she's a pragmatic person. And she shares the flip side to Brian Boyer's story about how he died on the table in the ER, which is harrowing. And uh, I felt really bad editing this episode because I've really put Erica through the ringer having her talk about it again. But she was cool enough to come on and share her story. And it was really powerful stuff. And I just think she's an awesome person who really showed her perseverance and strength of character as she dealt with this stuff. So please listen. It's uh, it's an amazing story. And as always, it's just I can't I can't imagine what she was going through. So I'd like to apologize to everybody as well for the delay in getting this episode out this week. I actually had uh, death in the family and as a result had to take a road trip with my wife and daughter up to northern Minnesota for a funeral. And it was the irony was not lost on me. Um, this is what happens. This is how we deal with things. We say that this is how uh, we're going to have to face this head on and just you get thrown a curveball and say, all right, this this has to happen. This is what we're going to do, and this is the right thing to do, and all things are kind of dropped as a result. You, you just you circle the wagons around what's important and say, I, you know, the, the Internet's going to have to understand that uh, sometimes these things are too important. I would much rather be there for my family than sit cramped, huddled over my laptop trying to edit this and get this out, uh, you know, Tuesday morning at 5 a.m. I, I hope people would understand that this is what happens when people die. You need to go and be there for everybody. So it was really amazing to see an entire family come together the way I did. And uh, the funeral was in a very uh, old school Catholic church. And it was fascinating for me to observe and unpack what was happening. I was also very in charge of <laughs> taking care of my daughter and making sure she was not misbehaving too loudly in church. Uh, my favorite moment being when the priest said, let us pray, and there was a silence, and then my daughter just goes, yay! Which, I mean, I get her enthusiasm, but I just wasn't expecting it at that moment. So it was a, a, a very curious time for me to kind of observe things and be a part of it, but still stand back from a distance and say, oh, have have has what I've been doing, is that grossly offensive to everybody here, or how am I processing this in light of people knowing what I'm doing there. Like I had actual listeners there with me asking me questions about how I was perceiving things and it was very, oh right, this has an impact. If people I know listen, this is what's going to happen is that I'm going to have questions. So it was uh, a good learning experience for me and uh, I can't thank the the entire family for being as patient and kind with, uh, with my poking and prodding as they were. So as always, uh, if you've got questions, feedback, thoughts, uh, criticisms, whatever, find me on Instagram, find me on Twitter, find me at Gmail, you're dead too. Uh, all variations of that at you're dead too, you're dead too at gmail.com. Uh, let me know what you think. I'd love to get some feedback and uh, make sure that I'm doing the best that I can. And if you've got any cool stories or recommendations for people to have on, happy to hear it because the, the more the merrier. And I want to get everybody's take on this. So thank you for listening. Enjoy. Uh, so with me today, I have Erica Boyer. Say hi, Erica. Hi. How are you? Good. So Erica is here today as both an independent guest, somebody that I just wanted to talk to about everything in general, but specifically she is also married to past and future guest Brian Boyer. So we could get into that <laughs> as quickly as you'd like to. <laughs> Otherwise, if you want to kind of ramp up to that, we can certainly do that too, but uh so what I'd like to just start off with, like, 40,000 feet, who is Erica? I am a mother of two. I grew up in Minnesota. One random year, my senior year, we lived in Taiwan for my dad's job. Came back, went to college here, went to law school here, 
now we live here. Kind of like it here. Okay. Yeah. If you were not, like, if you didn't have roots here, do you think you'd still live here? Or do you think you would kind of end up somewhere else? Uh, that's a good question. I think I'd be somewhere else. The main reason I'm here is my family's here. My extended family's here. Um, met Brian here. We like it here. Although he would tell you now he would like to move. So maybe one day. This last well, winter was particularly tough on yes, him. Yeah. Yes. It was. Exactly. For those who are fortunate enough to not be stuck in the Midwest, this was a particularly brutal, cold, snowy, yes. miserable winter. So even those of us who are hardy enough to not get phased by it, this was a tough one. This is it's dark a lot. But mm-hmm. once we get past daylight savings and some of the snow starts melting, you yeah. can really say, this is why we live here. Right. So you were raised here. Mm-hmm. What was your household like growing up from a faith perspective? Were you raised religious at all? We were. We were raised Catholic. Um, My extended family is very, very Catholic. My grandparents, my mom is the youngest of 11. They are all extremely Catholic. But my mom, yeah, it's kind of surprising because my mom now is not she's backed away from the religion and she backed away when we were still growing up so even though we went to church every day or i'm sorry every sunday and i went to sunday school had my first communion after that it just kind of backed away slowly and she was definitely the black sheep that didn't make her kids go to church really yeah none of this matches kind of what i know about your yeah mom. this is really surprising yep and now she's very anti-catholic church and I don't go to church. I don't believe. Um, we don't plan to raise our kids with any type of religion unless it's something that they bring to us and show interest in. We'll support them. But, yeah. My my extended family is still very, very Catholic. Now, <laughs> I want to <laughs> dig into all that. That's going to be just one pregnant pause that I could just load out for the rest of the episode. Yeah. Um, first off, your mom, I... Do you think she'll listen to this? Uh, yeah, I think so. I think so. Okay. If we, yeah, if we tell her about, it, she would. I don't. I actually, I don't know if she would know what a pod, how to get to podcast. But after we show her where on her phone to get to it, she would listen to it. So maybe I'll cut this out. But I basically want to be more reverential, <laughs> a little more respectful, <laughs> yeah. making sure that like I don't repeat any stories that I've ever heard about. No, um, but just knowing who she is and like your relationship and. Uh, who she's been as a mother and a grandmother and a mother-in-law from mm-hmm. my own perspective here, it's just surprising to hear that, like, super dogmatic Catholicism, that was her upbringing of, oh, like, yeah. really? Yeah, yeah. Yeah. And so when you were a kid then, that was just, I mean, so she was hardcore about it? Your dad not so much? Um, No, my dad not so much at all. He was raised Buddhist. Okay. Um, But was not... Never, we never talked about Buddhism or anything. It was always just you go to church and there's God, you know. And I, to this day, I don't remember anything I learned in Sunday school. I remember doing art projects. <laughs> like the only story I remember from Sunday school was we were making like volcanoes out of clay, and at the end of the project, <laughs> you, yeah, <laughs> I don't know, I don't remember how it had anything to do with the Bible. But at the end of the project, you had to trade with somebody. Maybe that was the lesson. And I was like, no, I don't want this kid's ugly project. I want my own. And that was all I remember. I don't remember anything else, like learning anything. Yeah, I'm and maybe it was a bad. To, I'm racking bad my brain thinking, what in the world would? Why would they have you build a volcano a in volcano. Bible school or yeah. a Sunday school? I, I don't know. That is too funny. And that's, <laughs> I mean, that, do you feel like it shaped you at all as a person of, like, morals and background of, like... No, because maybe it did, and I just don't remember it. I have um, famously terrible memory, so maybe it did, and it just, you know, it's just not something that I've connected, but I remember how my mom's family treated her or would talk about her behind her back or talk about us behind our back because we didn't go to church Hmm. so it was just as I grew up I remember seeing a lot of hypocrisy in it and I think that's why my mom backed away from it slowly because she saw it and then she just she never said anything to us but I think it allowed us to see it too she's just kind of feeling herself pulling away of it just didn't for whatever reason well, they're like the roots went sour or bad a little kind bit, of she just yeah. Was... The people that she 
her family members that she grew up with. I mean, I'm worried something will listen. I don't want to speak ill of these people because I love them. They're my aunts and uncles. But I think she saw a lot of the things that Catholicism maybe shaped their decisions. And she didn't think maybe that's that's really what Catholicism was about. Or And then, I don't, I don't even know how to say it. I think she just saw that it was not something that she wanted to believe in, a God that she wanted to believe in. Yeah. And that's ultimately what I got out of it. I think that's what my siblings, none of my siblings go to church anymore either. And we are, I think, the only family, yeah, that none of us go, at least on a somewhat consistent basis. And that's not the first I've heard of that from a former Catholics or lapsed Catholics, but then also people who were raised pretty strictly religious and then just kind of gravitate away from it as they get older. That just, Mm -hmm. it, there's something about forcing people to do something that when they're young, that if it doesn't stick if it doesn't take root right that you just kind of it's not unlike in my mind you get your kids smoking and then you make them smoke the rest of the pack to like <laughs> get them over it right um and it's the joke is somewhere in my head of your dad was a buddhist so therefore he was just like not yeah gonna push it. like yeah the buddhist in the group <laughs> you could is just totally like, see that yeah. yeah it's fine i don't want to have attachment to this so <laughs> yeah. it's the pushy christian who's gonna have the right christian dogma okay right um so I ask all this basically to kind of get more of a, an idea of what your understanding of things has been for the wider world. And then you talk about having your kids that you don't want to necessarily raise them in a particular faith. Is that something that you approach from a mindset of general parenting of like, I'm just trying to minimize the number of <laughs> errors, issues, whatever it is, <laughs> or is it just a matter of like, no, this doesn't strike me as the particular thing to raise them with the same way you wouldn't want to raise them as like devout Muslims or, you know, in the Islam faith, if you are not, is you know, like basically if it's not your, if what you have, you don't want to put on them. Right. Does that make sense? Right. I And this is actually something that Brian and I have been talking a lot about and struggling with because we don't, Will is four. She asks a ton of questions, and she's getting to that age where I feel like she will start to ask these questions. And I don't want – I think if she came up to me and asked, do you believe in God? And I told her the truth, and I said, no, I don't. And I said, but you can, and there are a lot of people that do. I feel like she will just say, well, I don't believe in God either, just because I said that. So I want to find a way to not lie to her, but also let her form her own opinion and we haven't really found a way to do – we haven't figured out a way how to do this yet. We're just hoping she won't ask us quite yet. And further complicating that is what Brian talked about with his own parents raising him in a very religious household. I suppose it's not a coincidence that the two of you found each other and have this um, overlap of the idea of, yeah, an organized religion is not something I'm super fond of right now. Right. And I, we've talked about that, like if – you know, I've asked him, like, if you – all of a sudden found God and wanted to go to church again is it important for me to come with you and he's like you know I don't know I don't know if we would be together if we didn't at least share in this one it would be hard for me at least if he believed and wanted to go to church every Sunday because I can suck it up and go every once in a while you know we go visit his parents and we'll go you know Christmas and it's not a big deal I'll go with family sometimes but it would be hard to to go along on a weekly normal basis I think yeah, and that's I've talked about that um, on the podcast before. That it just it feels disingenuous if I'm not right like an active member. That it, if I don't believe in it, eventually, and I think the idea of faking it till you make it can kind of trick people into it almost, or like deceive you into wanting to really invest in something emotionally where yeah. it's just not going to be there. But I can recognize my own. I don't know, spiritual apathy, or it's just like I'm not, I can't force this, you right. know. And right, that's a good way of saying it. Yeah, if you yeah. don't, if you don't really feel it deep down, but then again, you know, that's the whole point of all this is that I don't know anything about anything, and that right. everybody's got their own perspectives on this. So if I don't ask these questions, I'm never gonna know. Yeah, no, that's true. But I'm, my daughter had a birthday recently, and now we're dealing with her asking more questions and you know i'm i'm just getting the idea of her recognizing like i'm not this i'm not that like okay okay so you're you know self-aware and making this like when your daughter asks you 
what are potentially profound questions? Do you just kind of like give the simple answer or do you, I mean, I can see oh, Brian yeah. very much just like, because <laughs> just, that's why go away. You know, that's worked well for us so far. Okay. Just give vague answer and hope she takes it. And that's, I wouldn't recommend that parenting style because I, <laughs> I don't, I'm doing it. I don't recommend one, it one day it's going to backfire. You know, she's asked us how the baby's, how the baby got in my belly and we just stare like, to say this it's a lot of paperwork <laughs> yeah we had to fill out some forms yep yep yeah i i i'm scared for that day and i keep thinking if i just keep thinking about it some more i'll figure out a way to do it but i know it's gonna happen we're not gonna do anything about it we're not gonna think about it anymore and one day she's gonna ask and we're just gonna have to say something yeah, and I'm realizing sitting here in the moment of, oh my God, what would I say that wouldn't screw up a kid? I don't think I have an answer. No. All I can kind of come to as a touch point is like, don't lie. Yeah. You, know, you don't really be... worry about lying to your kid. And that's just kind of general maxim for my life is just the more authentic I can be, the less I have to worry about micromanaging, like, what narrative have I given somebody about this thing in my right. life? Like. If well, there's... don't get me wrong. We lie to Willa all the time. Like, oh, yeah. she wants a cookie. And we're like, oh, sorry, they're all gone. And I just <laughs> yeah. go in the other room and eat some, you know? <laughs> just wipe the crumbs away. But no, no, big... <laughs> yeah. we're all out of cookies. <laughs> just don't come in. Okay. Yeah. Oh, just no, big things. Uh... Don't lie to your kid about big things. Yeah, my parents have definitely told me what they did that I would like to eventually pull on my children as well, but it's going to be difficult with smartphones and everything, is that when – my dad would be upstairs changing the clocks ahead an hour and my mom would be downstairs playing with us and then we'd swap and go upstairs. My dad would come downstairs and change all the clocks and basically just like, oh, look at that. It's bedtime no already. No way. Oh, like, all the clocks. That's so much work. Which I doubt I could even tell time. You could just tell me it's dark <laughs> out and be like, well, it's time for bed. I'll just go. <laughs> that's pretty, that's elaborate. But I mean, I, I don't know if that's going to work now with Yeah, true. Phones. True. So as you got older, mm -hmm. you didn't feel the need to pursue like getting into college and asking questions about faith and stuff like what typically starts to make people dig into some of this stuff is either seeing something weird happen like we were of the same age when 9-11 happened so mm -hmm. like the safety of the world kind of was kicked out from under us mm -hmm. a little bit mm -hmm. but then like did you have the requisite philosophy class where you start looking into stuff and you kind of start peeling back layers none of that did anything to you or you wanted to dig deeper no, I don't think so. 9-11, we were actually on a plane moving to Taiwan when it happened. Holy cow. So when we landed, no one said anything. You know, we just flew like normal. We got to Taiwan, got to our hotel room, and then found out when it was on the news. You went to an international airport. You landed on a, from a flight from America where yeah. this had happened. We were already in the air. We were flying. And I mean, it makes sense. They don't say anything. Like, what's you're going to freak out on an airplane. But it was... That was surreal. Yeah. But it, not, I don't remember ever being like, oh, I, you know, the philosophy of this, like, God, why would a God do something like this? It just never, it was not a part of my life at all at that point. By the time we were in high school, we did not, we did not go to church anymore. And we didn't talk about it. It was just not a thing. Did, and, you know, I'm, I'm realizing now as I ask this question of more people, how much my own, uh, existential anxiety is like deep-seated in my neurotic <laughs> mindset so this is not something that like would keep you up at night questions of like what happens when we die or like what grand meaning of things that stuff doesn't like you don't just freak out about nothing like i'm freaking out <laughs> this is why we love you mm. <laughs> um no it i maybe it's because my belief is that nothing happens it's just goes dark and that's the end of your life and I, maybe that's why I'm not worried about it because I just think it ends and that's that you come into my house you say these <laughs> things you tell me you don't worry about shit like out Go. I do worry I, if I yeah I would be really upset if I died <laughs> right I would be upset if yeah you died. Yes. but I guess I'm not worried about what happens afterwards at all I don't believe I'm going to hell or heaven or something I'm going to burn in eternity or, you know, like stuff. I, I just, I don't believe in that. So it doesn't worry me. I guess it's like going to sleep and that's the end of it. That's it's honestly, so morbid when I say it out loud. I don't think so. I think there's a, there's a real beautiful simplicity to it, frankly, and not as a pejorative, like insulting thing whatsoever, because 
the idea I've heard before as well is you weren't concerned about what happened before you were born. True. You have no, I mean, do you have any recollection of like coming online and being aware, you know? Like, <laughs> I'm so glad I don't. That would right. be weird. <laughs> How early back can you remember? Well, as we discussed earlier, I have terrible memory, so oh, I, couldn't, I couldn't even tell you. The earliest <laughs> thing I remember. How did you get here? Did you drive? <laughs> I did drive. <laughs> uh, I remember being like in diapers running around my grandparents' farm. Like I remember that okay. young. So that's, you know. Like running, like already walking. Yep. Okay. Being that young, my mom has told me she remembers lying in her crib and seeing leaves making patterns on the wall. So, like, she oh. remembers being really little. Um, oh, that's impressive. Our mutual friend, Sam, he has told me his younger brother um, had pretty clear memories of being in utero, which I don't know how much of that is what? true, but, like, he said he remembered darkness and a lot of bubbles and, like... No way. But he was, like, four, you know, but so I don't know... That's freaky. Yeah, so I don't know how much I, stock I can put in that, but oh wow, you have no, you know, the mind is a funny thing that you come online at a certain point and then eventually you do shut off. But that's that's the worry for me. That that's the that's the, the <laughs> that con- would worry you if it just shut off. Uh, not that it would just shut off, but that those questions, that uncertainty of what happens, that just drives me crazy. Of just we're never gonna know. Nobody's yeah. come back. I True. mean supposedly a few people have and that's <laughs> that's where we get these big issues but yeah um so you from what i understand you think it's just dead over i mean i feel like if you're in the process of dying there's probably you know it might not be just like turning off a light switch but you know it is further color to this though would you like to tell the people what you do for a living taxes <laughs> yeah <laughs> oh like deb and taxes <laughs> well you are a particularly uh ordered person that there is a okay well wait i do corporate tax law which is a very gray area it's very well (laughs) there are interpretations that are part of the yeah but you're somebody for who logic and decision making are a big part of your world like you're not just making shit up you're not playing jazz every day you know (laughs) you're going in with a set of rules that you're playing by and you're also somebody who, similar to your husband, I think you're, you're, I think you like justice. I think That's fair. you really don't like jerks. <laughs> like some people tolerate them. I don't think you tolerate them. <laughs> That's fair. You don't yeah. suffer fools. I like that. Yeah. Yeah. You're kind of a badass. Should have used it at the beginning. Okay. You were like, Erica, who are you? <laughs> we'll chop this up and put the beginning. Yeah. I don't suffer fools. <laughs> I'm not playing jazz every day like yeah. sounds punk. Okay. <laughs> well, no, good. I do. I think you're a badass and you're somebody who there are many things that I would like to kind of pull out and talk about here, but um among them are the idea that you as an adult had a relatively minor surgical procedure where you had somebody's tissue put in your knee, correct? Oh, yeah. You have better memory of my life than I do. Because <laughs> <laughs> this stuff, this is like... That's I, true. That's the whole thing that I keep saying on this over and over again is I can't talk about this stuff at a pleasant, like, Sunday <laughs> afternoon barbecue. Like, John, stop it. You're weirding out everybody. But, I don't know. That's why we like you, though. We know you're kind of weird. And, <laughs> <laughs> and I, that's, I'm owning that, and it feels okay, good. Okay, good. Uh, I spoke at Brian and Erica's wedding and asked the both of you what do you want me to say and you just kind of told me like i don't know just say something yeah john-ish yeah just <laughs> keep it authentic to myself and i've i've found those papers a couple of different times moving boxes around the house we and have stuff. To. and it's always just like i can't believe i got away with this but it does, it's all very authentic yeah like i remember not wanting to bum out your parents or brian's parents in particular <laughs> because i didn't want to say anything as an affront to organized religion, but just basically this is all chaos. This Mm -hmm. is all random and just, it feels like nothing makes sense, but then it's two people who fall into the orbit of each other and just here you are and it couldn't be any other way. So knowing that, you have somebody else's tissue in your leg. Yeah, a dead guy or gal. They could not tell me if it was a man or a woman. So you don't know anything about that person? No. It was a just torn a cadaver. ACL. ACL. Mm-hmm. So some person had their thing, their ACL, their ACL <laughs> cut out and put in yeah. your 
Do you ever feel differently with that? Are you aware of that? Do you ever think about it? Or is it just like, nah, it's kind of this thing I did and then move on? I don't think about it. The only time I think about it is when it's like the weather changes. It gets a little sore. Are you kidding me? <laughs> like an old person yeah, kind I was of like, say, like an old farmer like, oh, storm's coming in. <laughs> well, I can't tell when it's raining. Just uh, when the weather is changing and you're like, oh, the weather's changing. Oh, my knee hurts. Your trick knee is acting up? <laughs> yeah. Kids, mom's got a trick knee. Yeah. And, uh, that's crazy. That's about it. Though. But that's only because... I did not follow through on my physical therapy afterwards like uh, I was supposed to, I think. So it didn't properly heal maybe the way it should have. So that was my own making, I think. Sure. Yeah. But other than that, I don't I don't think so. But again, that kind of speaks to the person that you are because the reason you had that done in the first place was because you as an adult were playing sports mm-hmm. and like being active and you competitively play soccer mm-hmm. and that's – or football for those of you in the international <laughs> audience. But you are somebody who strives to do that. Like you and Brian are both – he's – hardcore into hockey and like he is. softball and you do soccer like you guys are both well let, let's clarify i did soccer i tore my acl and then never did soccer again because i was just it was too expensive to do that again okay yeah too old do you does the machinery of your body these uh, this is you're just not anxious enough for me <laughs> all these questions where i'm just like i would freak out about this shit all the time you're just like nah, kind of got done and that was it like you yeah. don't it really it doesn't phase you at all really no i mean i'm thankful for having this ligament otherwise i think they would have taken some part of my muscle in my thigh i think that's how they do it now and then transferred it down to make a new acl that's crazy yeah and i hear that that's like more painful so Ooh. Well, I suppose, yeah, you're yeah. getting double cut up. Yeah, for so thank you, cadaver guy. Yeah, whoever yeah. the donor was. Yeah. That's, do you have, I mean, some people don't even give thought to it and, you know, the grander ramifications of it, but, like, are you an organ donor? Is that, I am, yeah, I was okay. fully supportive of that. Yeah, it's, like, you're not going to need it. No, <laughs> no, I have no system. attachment to my organs once I'm dead. If it can save someone, great. Do you... And you can. This is my. These are my verbal tics. I'm just gonna turn my head. Do you? So, are you okay talking a bit about what happened with Brian? Yeah. Yeah. So, for anybody that wants to go into this with more backstory, you can listen to Brian's episode about his entire experience that involved him having a pulmonary embolism, and at one point his heart stops, and he has an out of body experience, and we talk a great deal about that and how that's affected him going forward and what that's meant for him spiritually or like how that's impacted his daily life but he had a number of kind things to say about you and about how he wasn't even aware of how much it was impacting you throughout the whole process um one of the i think more intense moments for him in recounting the entire ordeal was waking up back into his body and seeing you in the corner of the room i mean not to be crass about it but just kind of melting down and realizing like oh my god this must really be bad mm-hmm. um what would you like to share from your perspective like was this how does the whole story unfold for you well the first thing i would like to say because i did listen to brian's episode and i just want to say i was trying to make him go to the hospital like you would not believe and he was so stubborn and we weren't married at the time so i couldn't even be like i'm your wife and you're gonna go do this i was just like what are you doing he would sleep sitting up at night on the couch because laying down would hurt his arm or his shoulder or whatever it was that vein was and he would not go to the doctor brian yeah and he kind of downplays that in his episode i just want everyone to know i wasn't just sitting there like oh it'll be fine i was trying to kick him to the hospital and he just refused to go as a character witness yes i can a thousand percent (laughs) see you pushing him for this and i would like to talk to him after the fact (laughs) thank you yes please bring that up god damn it okay (laughs) so you were an advocate for just go get it checked out yes and he did not he did not so days went by of this where he was just like Literally just sitting up at night awake on the couch. And most of that, I don't even remember anymore. It was just such a blur of days. I couldn't even tell you, like, how how many days had passed since it started and since it ended. But what I do remember is that emergency room. And when we were in there, I do remember sitting next to him as he was in the bed. Um, They were drying blood. 
and I remember he was getting like kind of green, like his face and his skin. I was just like, gosh, he looks awful. And at this time, it didn't look, it didn't seem all that serious because we felt safe. We were in the emergency room. They were like, oh, you might have, you know, a blood clot. At the, I've never knew anyone with a blood clot. I barely knew what a blood clot was. I was just like, oh, okay, maybe they just give him some medicine and he'll be fine. And so when they started pulling his blood and he I remember him looking at me and being like I don't feel well and that was when it was like someone pressed the forward button everything just went so fast he he kind of just slumped over and the nurse that was taking his blood just started yelling things I don't even remember what it was it was some kind of code and then a bunch of people just rushed into the room there was like a not a siren, but like a really loud beep going off. I'm assuming it was just calling more people in. They immediately laid him down. He was sitting up in the gurney, and then they just just immediately pulled the thing, and he was flat on his back, and then just people were all over him. And I was sitting next to him, and I just remember freezing. I'm, I'm pretty good in, like, stressful situations. I'm pretty calm, and I can say, okay, this is what we need to do, but I just froze. I just sat there not knowing what was happening, and it felt like fast forward I couldn't even catch up to what was going on and I remember some nice male nurse came over and just kind of like shepherded me out of the room he didn't say anything he was just like not pushing me but I feel like if you were just like fanning me you could probably get me to move yeah and so he, sh- yeah, like you said shepherding just yeah. arm around you almost kind of like yeah guiding you didn't out say anything touching. or maybe he did and I just didn't hear it I just remember yelling and then I remember standing on the other side of the door it was a glass door so I could kind of see in and I just couldn't even see Brian at this point it was just people on top of him and people around him and people running and then just as fast as it was going all of a sudden it slowed down and I was back in the room but like in the corner and it was just now it was eerily silent and Again, it could have just been just as loud, and I don't remember it, but I just couldn't hear anything. I just remember looking at him because I could finally see his face, and it was just silent. I was just staring at him like, what just happened? I didn't even know if he was alive or what had happened. I didn't know his heart stopped. Like, I just, I was so confused, and it was so fast. It was very, it was probably one of the scariest moments of my life just because I felt out of control in that situation, like, completely helpless, And uh, it was just scary. And I've never talked about it like this before to somebody, like a, a good friend who I feel super safe with. But I've just never, every time I've told it to somebody, oh, this is what happened to Brian. It's, you know, we kind of laugh about it because he was fine in the end. Yeah, it just was like a fast forward button and then it stopped and then it was just quiet. You were there and it was chaos and then eerie silence yeah well so at no point did they even tell you did you know his heart stopped i looking back on it like when it kind of calmed down you you i figured because they had the paddles out and something must they were going to town on his chest so yeah i mean I figured it out without them saying anything, but then they also started asking questions. They told him, because he was really confused. They were like, your heart stopped. We had to resuscitate you. How are you feeling? And then it I don't know what happened in between the time that he was okay and the time, because the next thing I can remember clearly in my head was just him and I sitting in the room, and it was just us. And we didn't say anything for the longest time. He was tearing up. I was probably just a mess. But we just sat there holding hands. <laughs> Don't make that face. Well, I mean, what do you even say? I'm, uh, you, I don't know. I mean, so you knew that he had gone and come back. like, But he didn't. Yeah. He had taken him years to figure out kind of how to digest it and process it. Yeah. Did it feel... Did you feel safe when it was over? Like in the sense of this, because you're there, you're in the hospital. Yeah. Where the hell are you supposed to go right. that's more safe than that? Like right. if you called an ambulance, you're there already. Like right. you couldn't get any more safe, but this still happened there. Like, yeah. 
I think so. I think we felt safe. I, I guess I don't know. That's a good question. And at this point in your life, you didn't have kids. And no. So did you just stay with him at the hospital then going forward for that time? Yeah. I remember calling work and not knowing exactly how to tell them. So I think I just said, Brian's really sick in the hospital and I'm, I need to be out for today. Yeah. I think that's all that had happened. But, gosh, I it's such a blur besides that those several seconds in the room when it all happened I really don't like I'll, I'll look at pictures we have of him like leaving the hospital after however many days he had spent in there and I can't even remember that I I see it happen it's a picture but I don't remember it uh, I really appreciate you sharing all this because it's clearly there's nothing fun about it you know it's it's an amazing chapter of your life where mm-hmm. you can kind of recount the the basic narrative of it and it's a it's an amazing story but do you feel like it had more impact than you were able to give it credence to when it happened that like one of the things brian talked about was going to see a movie i think a couple of months after the fact yeah, and i then... knew he would tell us okay <laughs> uh it was so embarrassing and i i know looking back on it it was this so as he had said in his episode as well that we, I grew up in a Vietnamese family. My parents are super Asian, but they've chilled out in the last, I, w- I don't know, 10 years or so, 10, 20 years. So they're not so stereotypical, strict. But growing up, like when I was in high school, it was, you know, do your homework, get an A, don't get an A minus. There's nothing worse than an A minus, you know. But um, where was I going with this? Oh, so we were taught at a very young age to swallow all of our feelings. We don't talk about our feelings. Yeah. Yeah. And it's worked fine for me, you know, for most of my life. <laughs> but then I met Brian. Brian loves to talk about feelings. He just likes to talk. So yeah, that's been a difficult but also, I think, healthy adjustment to talk about your feelings. I would like to instill that in my children. Um, but this is something we did not really talk much about. Yeah. I think we knew deep down like this is serious we knew I guess I don't know we just didn't really talk much about how we were feeling about it other than I knew this was really hard for Brian he changed his lifestyle a ton because of it it took a a long time for him to get to where he is today um so when we went and saw that movie I don't I feel like it was almost a year later that might be right yeah um yeah, with the Hunger Games, so that's embarrassing to start with. They um, were very popular movies. <laughs> I'm not going to judge anybody. Like, you can see all of my DVDs back here. Um, so. Yeah, we went with my sister and her husband, and I feel like there was someone else there. I can't remember who else. But, um, yeah, when that scene came, up, came on and there was – Peter was getting resuscitated. I don't – it just came out of nowhere. It was just the flashback back. I was in that hospital room again, and I just lost it. And I would have, I am not that type of person to become emotional over something I see. You know, it's, that's never happened to me before. Um, but that, that feeling that apparently could not stay swallowed and it came back up and I was just like dry heave crying into my sleeves and snotting everywhere. And it was funny because after the movie, we carpooled with my sister, and I was like, oh, gosh, sorry about that. And she was like, oh, what are you talking about? And I was like, oh, I was just having, like, a panic attack when when PETA was dying. And she was like, oh, oh, I thought you just really loved PETA. And I was like, are you kidding me? <laughs> if like, anything, come it's Harry on. Potter. Come on. Yeah. Okay. It's like insulted by that. <laughs> but, yeah, it, it, that was the only time, I think, since that's come up and it's and it was kind of a, like a release, and it was just a reminder of what had happened. And then now I see things, you know, I love those uh, medical dramas. I watch people get resuscitated all the time, and it's just fine. Really? It was just that one, it was just so real in that one moment. I don't know what, if it was the theater, it was dark, I don't know. Yeah, th- I've never, I'm really, I'm obsessed with movies. I like to have my own little crummy DIY theater down here but like I love the experience of going to the movies but I'm sure like from an evolutionary perspective there's some kind of 
larger statement about like watching a big 40 foot tall face on a screen and like it's probably speaking to something very primal about us of like hero and bad guy and but to see that and to go through that you know sitting in the theater having the movie going experience and then having this traumatic traumatic experience where the love of your life is in mortal jeopardy and to have that come kind of get coaxed out almost Mm -hmm. and to have that experience brought out without you expecting it it, there's something to me that seems almost reminiscent of like when you have um uh, uh acupuncture uh my friend Tanya was on recently talking about how she's just not an emotional person, but she would get acupuncture done and just the right spot that she would get hit in her hand and she would just start crying so hard, so just sobbing like she was going to almost throw up just because like... In the middle of it? Yeah, just because oh, wow. it's just this one part of her like, you know, I don't know, chakra or energy, whatever it is, her bodily uh, energy, whatever it is just hitting that right spot causes this violent reaction and i wonder if there was just something that just the chaos of all of the factors coalescing into this one thing of just like and then if we just show her somebody having cpr <laughs> right here like boom it's just like pulling a ripcord and you just like yeah at this cathartic moment yeah i'm not a psychiatrist <laughs> i'm just making all this up I, I like that though that was a good theory this is why i spoke at your wedding yeah <laughs> yeah um the only thing that I can say comes close to that that moment again is in the whatever six seven years since this has happened. There's been several times when Brian has gone called from work and was like, "Hey, I feel really weird. I have this chest pain. I think I'm gonna go to the ER." Because they've always said, "Anytime you get any type of blood clot symptoms, you need to go right away." So there's been a few handful of times where he's called and said that, and he's like, "I'm just gonna go right now." to the ER and the fear kind of creeps back in like I definitely start crying and I definitely just shoot out of work and go meet him because it's a very real possibility that that happens again and so whereas before you know if he was like hey I have this chest pain I'm just gonna go get checked out it would have never been like this do you think that that's kind of unlocked something or opened something up inside you where you're a little more open to talking with the emotional aspect of it that whereas you might have been previously not shut down but like a little more closed off emotionally that you're more willing to just say live the experience just go do it now go get to the hospital and see him and does that make sense what i'm kind of basically Mm. the idea that like the the rigidity got shook from the system almost Yeah. Uh, Yeah. I mean, I guess, I don't know if I quite got what you were saying, but I think before this had happened, I would have just been like, oh, it's probably nothing. You always look at it. It's like, oh, it can't be anything serious. Just go get checked out. Right. Is that what you're talking about? Kind of, yeah. That it's just like, nothing would ever happen to him. Yeah. Yeah. But now you kind of know, and not to be scary or dramatic, but you know that something could happen. Right. Right. Um had a friend of mine recently oh no actually it was annie on uh her episode that she talked about the phases of our life uh, where we all kind of go through the basic chronological steps of like you know very large scale generalization that all of our friends meet and we get married and then roughly around that time we have kids and Mm -hmm. then chronologically our grandparents start dying off and then eventually our parents will start dying off and eventually we're going to hit a point where spouses start dying off Mm -hmm. and that's really scary but in, and I've had other people talk about it as well that, no, there's no guarantee. Mm-hmm. There's just anything can happen. Yeah. And that's – having had this experience, do you – does that shape your daily life at all? Or are you somebody who is just grateful for what you have? Or how do you think of the – I would it, say I am terrified of Brian dying before me. And – not even like, you know, like if we're both old, our kids are going, that's, that's completely different. Like what I'm afraid of is he travels a lot for work. I'm always like, what if his plane goes down, you know, on his way to or coming back home? Like the thought of him being gone and us being me and our two kids, 
Like that is terrifying to think about. And I don't I don't know if I would have had that fear, at least to this degree, if this had not happened. I think just the fact that it came so close to being a thing. Sure. You're now permanently just worried about it, especially when they say, you know, this is just something you have and you're going to have to live with this. Yeah, it's not like cancer where you're you're over it. You've yeah, it. You yeah. Can, yeah, this is a condition that he has where it could just resurface. It could flare back right. up. But Oh, and to be clear, this is way, I would way rather him have this than cancer. <laughs> <laughs> Between this. Between, yes. Yeah. Um, do you, so without, and by no means is this in any way any kind of judgment, but like without uh, a faith of some kind, you know, without um, a backbone of that kind of a thing to lean on, you're mm -hmm. not somebody who prays then, I guess, right? Mm -hmm. So do you have some kind of thing that you do to calm yourself down or you just like talk yourself out of that fear or how do you handle that when that comes in? Um, I guess I just try to kind of what you were saying is look at what I do have, what I am grateful for. And there's people out there who, who suffer way worse than what my fear is. You know, pl pl plenty of families go through this where they lose a mom or a dad with young kids. And to me, talking to God or whatever else is out there is not comforting to me. Um, I don't even, I don't wish that I believe or anything. I don't long for that. Um, so I, I don't think it would be something that would be helpful for me. I just try to say, oh, you know, he's not dead. He's here, and you should be thankful for that and not worry about something that you can't control anyways. Yeah, that's what I'm grappling with a lot is, especially with, you know, existential anxiety and dread of the unknown. Like, you can't control it, and beyond a certain point, fear is going to be wasted energy mm -hmm. um it's not anything that can necessarily change an outcome unless right. you've used it to somehow prepare for something right but it's i find myself at times wishing that i was a more religious person that i could have some kind of comfort in some of that world or some mm -hmm. of those trappings but it's not anything again if i'm not if i'm if I'm honest with myself, I don't feel that it's there. So why would I dig into something yeah. that's not? And I, I, cause you know, I, we talk about this a lot because of Brian's parents who have a, a big presence in our kids' lives. It would be so much easier. Yeah, we were both Christians and both believed it yeah. would be easier with our extended families. It would be easier to explain to our kids. And I, and I do feel like it would provide a comfort in a time like this, if I truly believed. But if you don't believe, you know, you just don't believe. What what can you do? Why lie about it? For right. the sake of saving face? Right. And that's what I'm finding more and more talking to people is that it's not, you're not dismissing all of the world of religion for some kind of cakewalk where it's oh, just, no. you know, it's just gravy <laughs> over here, everything's fine. It's, it's... It's not a life devoid of worry as a result. Right. You're having to figure these things out without those potential resources mm -hmm. or that additional sense of belonging or purpose mm -hmm. or, I mean, does that, and I could keep asking these questions until the cows come <laughs> home. This is why I want to do this because I just, I like asking these questions to people is that none of that stuff keeps you up at night. That doesn't like why no. we're here or like no. grandiose questions or that kind of stuff. No. Okay. It doesn't. And it's, I, it is a little, um, like a pessimistic way to look at it. No. I, it feel, it sounds like it when I'm hearing myself say it, never said these words before. Um, it just seems kind of like, I don't know, science, science doesn't really care about your emotions, how you feel. And says the corporate tax accountant. <laughs> There is a rule, there is a system that we operate within. Yeah, if that this, could be, maybe. I th it's, just, yeah. it's interesting to find what people do and how... <laughs> the I'm going to be the most, the least likable interviewee you've ever had. Nope, you're charming. <laughs> I think you're fun. Uh, this is so... 
<laughs> but again, you're you're what I would think of as a realist. That you're yeah. not somebody who is I've had other guests on who are very not touchy feely, but like you can kind of feel them kind of going like this as I'm moving my hands around <laughs> and like kind of feeling out the ephemeral and trying to figure things out. Whereas I feel yeah. like you're somebody who, and maybe it's a, a product of a number of different things your uh, your upbringing, your parents' influence on you, uh, cultural mm-hmm. or like what you are as a person and what you've fallen into as a worldview that you're not somebody who focuses on the intangible. Yeah. And I'm, hey, I'm open to it. You know, if something comes along and I see something or something just changes, I'm open to believing in something else. But like you said, just based on my life, I don't... I think the light just shuts off at the end of the day. You think that's it? I think that's it. And I don't think it, it, it makes it seem like our lives aren't worth anything by saying that almost. At least that's what it sounds like from what I hear when I say it, but I don't mean it that way at all. Like it, I don't think that takes away from the lives we live and the, the relationships that we build. Yeah, I've heard it described as we don't we don't consider butterflies beautiful or special because they exist forever it's because they're fragile delicate things that mm-hmm. that's why they're special because there's something that might not be there mm-hmm. and i think i would hope that anybody listening to you talk about these things would be appreciative of the idea that you're not by any means pessimistic or nihilistic that this is almost a pragmatism to your worldview that that doesn't make life less special. It's right. just this is how you understand the world to be. If you can't worry or focus on the changing the parameters of what happens after a theoretical end to this life, why worry about that? Why mm-hmm. spend time focusing on that when you can do the here and now and you can take care of yourself, your mm-hmm. husband, your children? Like this is the life that you're living now, not some other life down the road. Right. Like you're not – you don't strike me as somebody who says, well, I'll be happy when X, Y, and Z happens. Or like, mm-hmm. once this happens or once this rebate check comes in for this, I'll be happy for the, you know, like, you're <laughs> yeah, not. Okay, yeah. Oh, well, money never <laughs> Benefit hurts. of the doubt. <laughs> yeah. Okay. Yeah. So hard left turn. Okay. If in your understanding of the world, it's generally dead over. Mm-hmm. Again, not as a crass statement, but yep. just that's a shortcut to say you don't necessarily think there's anything beyond this. Where do you stand on ghosts? Oh, oh, this is going to be contradictory because I would love to believe that oh. there are ghosts out there. Okay. Oh, I never thought about that. And I'm not looking for a gotcha moment here. I'm just I'm no. trying to figure out. Well, I love... you, you got you got me. <laughs> because I wrestle with this. I will like that. Nothing brings me joy like sitting up at night and like going deep diving on a spooky thread <laughs> of like what are your spookiest stories and like reading all this stuff like hunched over in bed like reading spooky stuff and then getting all freaked out and realizing like oh yeah no but i'm in like a suburban house and this is like this house was built 15 years ago we're fine there's nothing haunting this um i would like to believe in ghosts i don't know if i do that is open for debate i would i guess okay so there's a possibility of something spooky happening but you can't necessarily put your finger on what exactly it would be it could just just, it would be cool if there were ghosts. I kind of think that too. Yeah. But... I don't want them to be, but it would be cool. <laughs> so you've never had a personal experience of any kind with anything super spooky? No, I have not. It's probably for the best. Yeah. I'm such a wimp. It's probably for the best. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Um, have you Have you had much experience with death in your own life? You know... I've been fortunate. Well, I should backtrack. When I was younger, um, my grandparents, my mom's parents died when I was pretty young. Um, We had a cousin that died when I was very young. And then kind of just a span of life growing up where death was not, just didn't touch my life. Yeah. Um, And then recently, my aunts have started to, my aunts are now like in their late 70s, um, 
has started to become ill, and we've had two deaths within the last year and a half or so. Mm. So it's starting, I think, kind of the cycle. It's kind of starting, and it's been hard with Willa because she's at an age, like I said, where she kind of is aware. Um, and kids are so funny about death because I don't think they truly understand it. But she came home from school one day and told me and Brian that she and her friends play this game on the playground called Family Dying. And they take turns <laughs> dying <laughs> and pretending they're like in the same family. <laughs> I was like, what the fuck? And it, we kind of like we're trying to get some more you know, out of her, like, what does this involve? What exactly happens? Yeah, you want to ask questions without, yeah. like, coaching an answer. Without, like, like, yelling them at her, like, what are you doing? Yeah. <laughs> you are so weird. We need answers, and you need to feel bad about this. <laughs> but, you know, they're like, oh, we just lay down and pretend we're dead. So matter of fact. And it's, there's no emotion attached to it. There's no, like, fear attached to it, and... I don't know. Maybe they know something we don't know. No, well, I mean, they're... And I wonder if it was Alex who was just on recently saying that kids are just so much closer to having not existed than adults are that it might not seem as scary and far Maybe. away. yeah. But then again, she was also copying to some pretty woo-woo stuff of <laughs> yeah. like rainbow children and yeah. stuff. But, I mean, it's not... They Kids don't have the, you know, the psychological foundation all the stepping stones of you know 30 years of existence right. of like seeing life and having life be yeah. into them whereas it's just like yeah she's been aware for like four years mm-hmm. and she knows that at some point you turn off yeah like yeah there's great grandma and yeah. she's not here anymore like the funerals that you've had for uh, your, you said your aunts had passed away in the past year mm-hmm. So was this on your mom's side? That yeah. They were yep. So c- pretty, pretty Catholic. Catholic. Yep. Okay. So was that the full on like the rites and everything, like the entire? Well, so it's Vietnamese Catholic. So they so have what is like Vietnamese. Catholic? I don't really know because again, I'm a very bad Catholic. Well, I'm not a Catholic, but <laughs> when <laughs> I was, when I was, I was awful. So um, I can understand Vietnamese. My parents speak to me in Vietnamese, but I can't speak it back. So as the years go on, I can understand less and less, especially when it's like a formal, when people are speaking formally rather than just conversationally. So the last two funerals we went to for two, my two aunts, um, a lot of it was Vietnamese monks, I think is, no, that can't be what they're called. Oh, gosh. This is going to be hard to edit me to sound like intelligent at all because I don't even know what they're called. Uh, so these are... They're... They're Vietnamese priests. That's probably what they are. The equivalent of priests in the Vietnamese community for a Catholic yeah. service. So they come. I think it's it sticks pretty true to a typical Catholic funeral, but there's a lot of chanting, mm. um, a lot more readings from the Bible in Vietnamese, which I, I mean, I barely understand what's going on when it's in English. So when they're speaking in Vietnamese, I just have no idea. And it wasn't exactly written in English either. So to have it translated several times into different languages, I'm really curious what the takeaway is there. That like, I couldn't tell you. (laughs) You'd have to ask my mom, maybe. Um, Yeah. So it's long. Um, Get Yen on the podcast. (laughs) Yeah, have fun with that. Talk about her heart. Was it her? I'm curious, is her hard line against the Catholic Church now, does it have to do with the work that she's done with adopting and taking care of children? Um, she doesn't adopt. She does medical missions or in that, Vietnam. Yeah, that she... Um, yeah, you're right. No, I'm thinking of that wrong, what she was always going over to Vietnam for. Yeah, she would go to orphanages. Kids. That's what yeah. it was, okay. Um, and then they would help the really sick kids with surgeries heart surgeries i want to convince you that i've been paying attention all these years when you tell me about your mom you do have such a goldfish memory (laughs) yeah oh no i was always no i had it right you had it wrong (laughs) oh right so but do you has she talked at all about what i mean other than you kind of mentioned that family the idea of like not holier than thou but like judging people for like perceived Mm -hmm. things that you're doing is that really what drove her away from the church kind of or I think that maybe is what started it. I know a lot of what has come out with what um, priests have done to kids. Pretty indefensible. Is another big driver. Yeah. Um, 
probably just those two things. It's kind of all I you mean, need. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. I, I think a lot of it was the judgment and the hypocrisy of these people who are supposed to forgive. I mean, she grew up with a ton of sisters. And I mean, at any given time, there was always a family feud going on. Someone wasn't talking to someone. Um, and when one of my aunts died this past year, it you know, like there was more drama. And it's always like that. And it's always people holding grudges. And it's she sees it's like you are telling us all of these things or how we're supposed to live, but you don't live by any of them. Yeah. I think that was enough. That's something that I've definitely had to work on as I've learned how to deal with people in my life that are not going to change is that that's just wasting energy, wishing for somebody's behavior to yeah. change, holding a grudge, and it's just right. it's drinking poison and expecting the other person to die. Like right. You're not going to get anything good from it. Right. It's interesting for me to know – this is why I like sitting down with people that I know because – you and I can kind of talk about this stuff, but I don't think of the larger scale of how this like influences my understanding of who you are. Like you talk about yourself as though you're pretty closed off, that you don't talk about your feelings or like you're not somebody that does that. And yet when I get you talking a bit about it, you're pretty open about it and you're willing to share all this stuff. But I can see where the – what I call the pragmatism, the, <laughs> the practical nature of it, like – I don't think that you are necessarily closed off. I just think it's how you handle emotions. I think it's how you handle some of this stuff. It's just, uh, I think it's a cool perspective. I think it would it would be interesting if you tried to ask me these questions at a party. I would be like, gosh, John's being super weird. Why is he wanting to know all these <laughs> answers? But, you know, the fact that we're sitting down and you're like, this is my purpose, it's, I think you're right. It's like, oh, well, this is the practical thing to do. You tell them what you think about these, these issues. Yeah. yeah. With, and I want to be mindful of the time here with your kids and, you know, what's going to eventually happen in the long run of things. Have you thought at all about funerals and how, like... We have. Okay, so... We talk about our funerals a lot. Really? <laughs> yeah. Like, it's a fun thing, like, you're lying awake at night, like, Brian, what would you do? What song do you want played? We talk about it in the sense of we know Brian's parents are very Christian and they have, I'm sure, an opinion on how they want things to happen. Yeah, I could see you guys having like a contingency plan of like, we're going to throw a ball of tinfoil at my parents <laughs> to distract them and we'll have the actual funeral while they're... Right. Okay. But I think it's more just to, we don't care. I think that's the end of it is mm. I told Brian, I don't really care. However you want to do it, if I die first, you just go for it. <laughs> <laughs> and he said the same thing. And at the end of the day, we just want our family and friends to be able to grieve in the way that they need to grieve. So mm. if Brian's parents say, hey, I do want to have a Christian aspect in his funeral, he was like, go for it. And I'm like, OK, that's fine with me. Mm. And he was like, the only thing I really want is for it not to be like kind of sad and, you know, Mopey. depressing. Yeah. Which is what I find a Christian funeral to be. Yeah, Maybe no, that's, no, I don't think that's, that I can certainly cut that out if you want, yeah. but it's, I don't, yeah, there's a certain amount of like, woe is me, you know, yeah. the, and that's not, God, one of the best funerals I've ever been to is actually a Unitarian church, which a bunch of Christians would roll their eyes about, but like, well, that's the whole point is that it's meant to be universal and mm -hmm. that there's, I don't know, yeah. this is why I want to talk to people about this, because yeah. I'm, I'm not going to claim to know I have any answers. I think it's hubris to say, here's what it is. Like, mm -hmm. that, it's just nuts. You know, we're... Yeah. Yeah. And, yeah, I think it, it... We just don't care. We're dead. We don't care. We want our kids to be, be... Have some kind of closure on this. We want family to have closure and friends. And other than that, like, I, it should not... You know, like, the part of the drama with my aunt's death was how the funeral, sh like what order things should happen in and who gets to come. It was just stupid stuff like that where it's like, why? <laughs> There's no reason for this. It's... And so we really should have this like written down on paper somewhere. But I, I feel like if I were to die first, Brian would be very good at saying this is how it's going to happen. And He would be really good <laughs> yeah. at that. He, one thing he did say for his funeral, he would like everyone to come up and say nice things about him. So. Yeah, a, a reverse or a honey roast where you just yeah. like, Brian was just so great. <laughs> yeah. 
How yeah. great was he? He was so great that when he... <laughs> right. Whereas, yeah, I could see very much just like, I don't know, just sandwiches and just get everybody yeah. out of the house. I don't want it. Right. Like, right. Okay. No, you're you're an awesome person, and I just I can't thank you enough for being willing to talk about this stuff because, again, it's intense personal stuff. And of so course. this is... It just it helps people get to know these perspectives because I have these same thoughts that it's just... If it's not... If I want to be so comfortable with the idea of just dying and that being it, then how does that shape how I live? Why do I have such what I think of as up my own ass thoughts where like I just can't <laughs> stop circling like a dog chasing its tail about these anxieties? And I think that's just bad wiring. It's like medication. That's why I go to a therapist. But like it's refreshing and inspiring and it gives me hope to know that there are people who have similar mindsets that don't stay up at night worrying about it well good and that you you are a a good person you're a good friend <laughs> you're a good wife you're a good mother like your kids are great you have a, such a happy charming household that i just think you've got to be doing something right so well, how how can i carve off a piece of that <laughs> myself? well i gotta say it's also inspiring to see you do this and search out an answer to something that you don't know and you being so open to other people's perspectives because I feel like a lot of the issues that I personally have with religion is that everybody is so in their corner and is like, my way is the right way and there's no other right way. And it's it's very refreshing to hear someone say, I don't know what the right way is. And I'm open, I'm op- also at the same time, I'm open to hearing what your perspective is and yeah. I, ho- I think this would help people in your situation well i'm always willing to talk with people about it so if you ever want to come back on and talk more about it or even just do a rebuttal and say you know what this is horseshit <laughs> like this is wrong you said i don't work wrong. in tax i don't work in tax i have a way cool job in fact i'm managing <laughs> artists now and i'm like anything you want to do by all means please you've got a standing invite Sounds to come good. back thank you so much for doing this erica anything you want to tell the listening audience just I, if you want to recommend a thing you're into or just oh. be more grateful or just stop texting and driving. Tell me any cool ghost stories you've had. Okay, Erica yeah, wants ghost pass, stories. Pass those along, like personal, real ghost stories. I would like to be convinced there, were, there are real ghosts. Okay, for anybody listening, find <laughs> us on Twitter. and Oh, yeah, you're on Twitter. I know you're on Twitter. Oh, I'm a lurker. Oh, you're a, a lurker. Twitter lurker. Nobody's yeah. going to know who you are. Mm-hmm. I won't even cite your name yeah. when I post this episode then. But <laughs> find me at Your Dead 2 on Twitter. Tell me your spooky stories in 240 characters or less. Or make mm-hmm. them longer. String them together. Make yeah. it a thread. One of question mark. Cool. One of ghost symbol. We want to hear like it. why we're going to be here after we die. So, Erica, thank you. This was awesome. Yeah, thank you. Cool.